This is episode 344 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today I want to talk about rebellious eating and really any rebellious behavior that you want to change and the one and only process you can take to resolve any of those rebellious behavior, which is self-responsibility and a mindset approach. You ready? Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show, the only podcast that teaches you how to reshape your mind, not your body, to make your life better, bigger, and bolder, your undieted life. I'm your host, Stephanie Dodier, reformed dieter, nutritionist, and coach. You ready? Let's do this. Hello, my sisters, and welcome back. I want us to talk about rebellious eating, because I'm hearing a lot of it right now. So for those listening, not when it's broadcasted first, I'm recording this in the month of January, mid January, which is typically the period where people have engaged into like resolution, desire to change at the beginning of January, and they have perhaps decided to eat healthier. (laughs) If you're listening to me in audio, I'm using the air quote here, they want to eat healthier, and then they engage themselves into a non-diet wellness meal plan, (laughs) right? And I'm making fun of this, and I'm poking hole at this, because I don't want us to take this too seriously because it's not our fault when we buy into those meal plans and those ways of eating that are quote unquote not diet but are in fact diet. We just have to (laughs) make fun of this because it is something we get caught into, not because we want to get caught into this, but simply because that's what's out there everywhere. So it's completely normal when it's not something you're educated in when you're not a nutritionist, that you're listening to those experts and gurus telling you that they have this meal plan and this way of eating that is a non-diet approach and that's going to allow you to eat when you're hungry and stop when full and you're going to eat lots of vegetable because you desire so. Just follow my plan. That's how most of us millennial generation X have been raised into. Like we don't know, we, me and you, the listener of this podcast, we don't know how to eat. Like we're, we are, do not have the skill set and we definitely 100% need this expert coming from the outside telling us how to eat and we must buy their book and we must buy their plan and we must follow what they say because we're too dumb to know how to eat. So I'm saying all these things with lightness and fun, because it is. We can't take this too seriously. It's just a product of the society we're in. But fact is, mid-January, that's where some of you or perhaps people around you are at, and that's when rebellious eating shows up, right? So we're going to take the journey down the path of rebellious eating together today. We're going to understand it better. You know, I have a very systemic approach of teaching and 
helping you resolve issue that you have in your life. So we're gonna take a very educational approach to that. We're gonna talk about what is rebellious eating, how does it show up in your life so you're clear if that's what's happening in your life or not. And then we're gonna talk about why it's happening. It's very important that you understand why. Because I don't want you to lean on me to solve all your eating problem for the rest of your life. I don't want to become your next guru or your next expert that's going to tell you how to eat. I want you to understand how the human machine works so you understand what is going on within you. And then you can know what to do. And that's what we're going to do at the end. We're going to talk about how to change rebellious eating behavior. You ready to take that ride with me? Okay, let's talk about what is rebellious eating. And I want us to get out of the circle of eating first. And I want us to look in the rest of our life and think of rebellious behavior anywhere else. And I think the prime example that all of us can relate to is teenagers or our own teenage years, right? Rebellious behavior are when as a teenager, you're doing things to test the limit, right? To see how far you can take actions in your life without having retribution or which rules apply to you and which will doesn't apply to you anymore as you grow older. Bottom line is rebellious behavior is about claiming your power, your authority. As a teenager, it's claiming power and authority on your own life from the people who were the authority before and the power before your parents or your caregivers. So you're going through teen years to affirm yourself, to affirm your own authority over your life. That's what rebellious behavior in teenagers are. And I think all of us have gone through this. I want you to take this and bring it back to eating. Rebellious eating is eating behavior fundamentally centered around you claiming back your power over your eating choices. It's the opposite of peaceful eating. It's the opposite of normal eating. And I know I haven't talked about normal eating for probably over a hundred episodes now. The last time I did a podcast on normal eating, I'm doing air quote again, if you're listening to me in audio, was probably two years ago. So I'm due for another one soon on normal eating. But what we call normal eating is the eating behavior of the people who've never restricted, controlled their food. We all have one of those in our life, one of those people, one of this person who has never been on a diet, has never been on a meal plan, on a wellness plan. They just eat, right? Food is a non-issue. Food is a small part of their life. They don't dramatize and don't worry over it. They just, they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're full, and that's just a small part of their life. That's normal eating, and that's what eating should be. I call what I teach peaceful eating because I work with people like you who have in their past control-restricted food and now have 
eating behavior that are challenging and I work with them, they come into my world to heal that, to repair their relationship to food so they can be a normal eater for the rest of their life. When they're done with me, they go back into their regular life and they are a normal eater. They repaired, they healed the damage that they've done to their ways of eating because of restriction and control around food. So I call what I teach peaceful eating, but it's really normal eating. So rebellious eating is often called in mainstream overeating, binge eating, compulsive eating, nighttime eating. I have a list here. Overeating, I think I said that already. Emotional eating. Yes, that's the last one. Emotional eating. So all of these names were created around certain eating patterns because, and we have to be really clear on that, overeating, binge eating, compulsive eating, nighttime eating, emotional eating were all terms that a hundred years ago did not exist. Because when you're a normal eater, emotional eating is part of your eating pattern. You just don't label it because it's a (laughs) non-issue. You see? So these eating patterns were identified because of the restriction, because of the form of restriction we impose And as a result of that restriction, just like a teenager, we'll go back to our example at the beginning, when parents impose to a teenager a rule, a restriction, the bounce back effect of that on the kid is challenging the limit. The same thing happened internally in you when you apply a restriction of any kind to your eating pattern, your innate, we'll call it, body wisdom, your innate ability to regulate your eating rebels. It rebels to the rule, to the limit, to the restriction. And then that bounce back effect is overeating, binge eating, emotional eating, nighttime eating. These patterns of eating are only present because of the limitation, the rules, the restriction that was first placed on the food. That's what rebellious eating is. Rebellious eating is the quote-unquote bounce-back effect based on the limitation. These behavior, these names would have not even have been created would we have not... 60, 75 years ago, created the concept of diets, control around food. And that's why we have those behavior present, and that's what we call rebellious eating. Now, each one of them globally can be associated with a restriction of some kind. And I want to precise this. It can be a mental restriction, and it can also be a physical restriction. So let me give you a few examples of that. So binge eating, so classic example, I'm gonna go in my world, chips are my things. I need to do a podcast on that, why chips are my things. Some of you that have been with me long enough, you know why. But anyway, for me, for most of my life, when I had a bag of chip in front of me, I needed to eat it all. 
And the reason was chips from as far as I can remember, my like since the age of six or seven years old, chips, my mom had a fear of chips. So while growing up, chips were the evil and they were limited. We had one bag of chip for the whole family on Thursday night and everybody was eating it in secret. <laughs> and by the time we woke up on Friday, there was no more chips, but nobody claimed to have consumed the chips. So these patterns of eating were established very, very long. So grow up, now have access to all the chips that I want. I can buy them, I can have them in the house. I binge on the chips because I still restrict the chips. Eating the chips is a bad thing. It's shameful. It's a terrible action towards my health to eat the chips. I have all these thoughts in my head. So when I do buy the chips and I bring them in my head, even though they're physically available, I still have a shitload of mental restriction in my brain that creates the bounce back effect that shows up in binging the whole bag of chips. Give you another example. Nighttime eating is often associated with the restriction of food during the day for whatever reason that you're counting calories, that you're eating just a certain number of meal, right? Two meals a day that you're like may not count the calories, but you're restricting the size of your meal in hope of losing weight. What will happen at night is the body will rebel against the not enough food in the day. And so by the time you're nervous system is starting to relax in a rest and digest mode and you're no longer in fight or flight in the work day and the go 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 day you're finally letting your guard down the body's like it's on i'm gonna get the calories the food that i need right now and that's when nighttime heating happens right What's happening is your body's rebelling against the lack of food during the day. Now, it happens also with people who don't necessarily restrict in hope of losing weight, but they restrict because they don't take care of themselves, because they work, 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 and they skip the meal. They're just too busy. They're too stressed out to eat at proper interval during the day. And by the time they hit the night, the body's like, okay, now we have the time, we're going to eat all the food. And then there's a combination often of nighttime eating and binge eating. So these are just classic example of rebellious eating. And what diet culture, what wellness culture is teaching us to do in face of those rebellious eating patterns is to use willpower, self-discipline, even shame tactic in order to change the behavior. So I'll go through an example of how this behavior is created. And I just want to, I want all of you to know that the way that I'm talking about human behavior is rooted in cognitive behavior therapy and neuroscience. Okay, so that's the way that most psychologists, that's the way that most behavioral therapists will explain or talk about or define human behavior in general. So I'm taking that, that knowledge that we have from the brain and the human body and I'm applying it to eating. So 
unquote that part, let's go back to the topic of inserting willpower and self-discipline. So here's what happened. We'll give you another example. I had a great example in my notes here to talk about, which is carb restriction. So often many wellness plans of eating or guru will tell you, no, we're not going to limit the quantity of food. You can eat as much as you want, but we're going to limit one group of food, right? That we are talking about here, carnivore, keto, low carb. And this is really what's fashionable right now is the obsession we have with carbohydrates. So Let's imagine you're on a wellness plan and you're allowed to eat as much as you want, but just no carb or very little carb. So you decide to impose a restriction, which you think you're being told by quote unquote expert that carbs are terrible for your health, right? They cause insulin resistance. They cause dysregulation, diabetes, like they're evil. So you as a regular woman who is not in that field of expertise, perhaps you're a lawyer, you're an accountant, you're hearing this expert talk about carb and based on all their research and their years of study, they're telling you carbs are terrible. They're going to destroy your health. So like you're starting to think carbs are terrible. Carbs are unhealthy. So you go on with your day-to-day life thinking, Carbs are terrible, and if I eat them, I am damaging my health. I'm hurting myself. I am not taking care of myself. So every time your body sends a desire for carbohydrates, you think, oh, I shouldn't be wanting that. I'm a terrible person for wanting the carb. I should be able to take care of myself better. And then you feel anxiety. And then you feel shame and then you feel dread. You feel disgust with yourself because you're like, I should not want this. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to pause this scenario and I'm going to say to you, it's not true that carbs are evil. That is how this person, this expert in food has created their product in order to sell their book and their program they took one macronutrient and only selectively (laughs) look at some research and decided to anchor their program they sold to you or the book they're selling making one of the three macronutrient evil and their entire narrative is around that it's just a marketing gig carbs have been in human experience forever like as far as we can trace humans carbohydrates were part of our diet in fact it was the majority of our diet for most of the human experience and we're talking here hundreds of thousands of years and all of a sudden in 1990s (laughs) carbs are supposed to be bad come on unpause that so Carb is just one of the three macronutrients, but you don't know that and you're thinking it's a terrible thing and then you feel shame and you feel dread and you have all these emotions in your body because you're wanting something that's terrible for you and you're such a bad person and you want to comfort yourself with all these emotions and you're seeking to eat the food, to eat the carbohydrate, to eat the potatoes and to eat the pasta and then what? Diet culture and wellness culture tells you to do is to use restraint, willpower, to take that urge and wrap it 
with willpower and restraint and self-discipline in order to be a good person. To be a person that takes care of themselves, you should be able to restrain, so you do that. You take that carb craving and you tuck it away. And you step on it and you try to make it go away. But every attempt to make it go away, the body's like, F you, we need carb. Because the human body needs carb. It needs the molecule of carbohydrate. It's just how humans are wired. I'm not going to get into the debate about keto and all these discussion. <laughs> human body needs carbohydrate. And your body's like, fuck you, <laughs> right? It gone, it's rebelling against you. And this is really important. You restricting what it needs. Physiologically, biochemistry-wise, it needs the molecule of carbohydrate. You're like, no. The body's like, yes. You're no. <laughs> the body's yes. You become your own restrictor. The, you are the restrictee. A part of you is the restrictee, and a part of you is the restrictor. And this becomes an internal battle. So for all of you that are saying, my head is spinning and food talks all the time, and the result of that is anxiety constantly in your body that you're having to manage because you are the restrictor and the restrictee. There's no longer another identity like when you were a teenager. You're like pulling on the rope to get your own power in your life and your parents are pulling on the other side of the rope, right? It's, at least it's two different person. When it comes to Foon as an adult, you are both. And that creates an internal chaos in you. And it increases your anxiety and it increases the amount of emotion and the intensity of the emotion you have to deal with on the daily. And the rebellion increase, and the rebellion increase, and the urges and the compulsion until willpower and self-discipline doesn't work anymore. Because the internal chaos, tension, the emotion in you is becoming so, so great, that pull and tug between your innate wisdom and your brain. No, we need to restrict. And your internal body's like, no, we need the carbs. And until it explode. And then you, quote unquote, lose control. And then you eat all the carbs. Let me just say this to you. Your body will always win. That innate wisdom, in science term, we call that interoception this innate wisdom that the human body has to keep you alive will always win. This is why the human being is the primary species on the planet, is because we have this amazingly powerful survival system in us that will allow us to survive as long as we can. And in the case of restriction of food, it will always win. It will never be enough willpower self-discipline to restrain the basic human needs. In the case of carbs, it's a basic human need. What is different about rebellious eating versus rebellious behavior between two parties, like the kid and the parents, is that you have both roles. 
And that's what creates so much internal chaos is because you are both side of the equation at the same time. You are the restrictor and the restrictee. And the only way out of this pattern of rebellious eating is to take 100% responsibility for your eating behavior. It's to sit with yourself or acknowledge right now as I'm speaking to you and you're recognizing yourself in everything that I'm saying to you when I'm describing rebellious eating is for you to take responsibility, not to blame yourself, but to take responsibility. These are two different things. Taking responsibility and self-blame, two different things. I did a podcast on that. If you scroll up the feed, you'll find it. It's two different animals. Taking responsibility is being able to look, in this case, at your eating behavior with curiosity and compassion instead of looking at your eating behavior to blame and find the guilt and punish the guilty party. In this case, the guilty party is you because you are the restrictor and the restrictee. So the only point of blaming you're ever going to be able to find is you. And this is why taking responsibility is so important because as long as you give away your power of eating to the guru, to the book, to the person who's supposed to be smarter than your own innate wisdom, it's a lost cause. Because as an adult, you are 100% responsible for you, including your eating behavior, including all the behavior you have around food, the thoughts you have around food, the emotion you have around food. That's the first step. If you want to end rebellious eating, it has no other option than moving yourself through the place of radical self-responsibility. And then you can look at the behavior and say, how did I create this binge eating? Not what's wrong with me. These are two different questions. What's wrong with me? Why do I binge all the time? Why can I not have control? That the, that's the world of blaming, <laughs> okay? The world of radical self-responsibility is like, oh, why am I binging right now? Curiosity, lightness, compassion. Okay, let me figure out how I created this binge reaction. How was I feeling? That's the first step. When we are looking at any behavior, what creates the behavior is a response. A behavior, a human behavior, is simply a reaction, a response to an emotion. So the first thing you need to investigate is, how was I feeling before binging? How was I feeling that day? How was I feeling in that moment? Most of the time you will find emotion of stress, anxiety, guilt, and shame as the precursor to any binge overeating behavior. Okay, so example, I felt shameful. Okay, why were you feeling shameful? That's another piece of radical self-responsibility is as an adult, as a human fully functional adult, you create your emotion. Nobody else than you can create your own emotion. An emotion is part of your central nervous system. It's a outbound reaction to your central nervous system reacting 
to a thought that happens in your brain. That's how emotions are created. Emotion are you having a thought and then the communication from your brain to the rest of your body goes through your central nervous system, like your spine and your nerves, and then poof, you feel sensation in your body, you feel an emotion. So if you felt the shame, just before binging, I felt shameful for wanting the chips. That's my personal experience. What was I thinking to create the shame? I was thinking, chips are terrible. I should not want chip. I'm a terrible person for wanting to eat chips. That's what I was thinking. And that's what created the shame. And the response to the shame was eating the entire bag of chips. Oh, okay. So that's how I created the binging on the chips. Cool. How can I change that thought about chips? If that, if me thinking chips are a terrible thing, meaning I'm a terrible person, makes me feel ashamed and makes me eat the whole bag of chip, I have to take responsibility for my thoughts around chips. What do I need to think about chips in order to not feel ashamed for them? <laughs> and perhaps in time, not eat the entire bag of chips. Like, how can I change this? What do I need to think about chips in order for me to not want to eat the whole bag of chips? What do I need to think about prioritizing my eating throughout the day if you're a nighttime eater, right? Probably you're having the thought, oh, eating is not important. I have so many things that are more urgent than that. I got to respond to my boss. I got to take care of the kids. I got to do this. Your responsibility to stop the nighttime eating is to prioritize you taking a break to eat. Nobody else than you can make that change. And same thing for what you're thinking about chips. The guru can say whatever he wants or she wants about chips. You have the responsibility to accept their point of view or not. And when you do accept their point of view, to take responsibility for what it creates in you. That's how we change the pattern of rebellious eating, by taking responsibility for ourselves and no longer being the restrictor, restricty pattern. Eliminating that pattern and being fully responsible for the thoughts we have about food or about eating or whatever else influence your eating and then choosing thoughts about food, about your eating, about your body that will create peaceful emotion. Peaceful eating is the outcome of feeling calm, of feeling peaceful. If you want to have peaceful eating behavior, you have to have an emotional state of peace. If you want to have normal eating pattern, you have to have neutral emotion around eating and food. That's how we create casual eating pattern or normal eating pattern is by not obsessing, not restricting, not shaming ourselves for food. That's how we hand rebellious eating pattern. If you want to know more about how to do that, that's our entire framework at Undiet Your Life, right? Our motto, our tagline is think better, feel better, 
eat better. I just explained to you how that works, right? We think better thoughts about food, we feel better about food, and therefore we have peaceful behavior around food. We take that same framework and we apply it to body image, right? We think better thoughts about our body, we feel better about our body, and then we take better action to care for our body. That's the body liberation module inside of Undiet Your Life. So if you want to know more about that, that's what we hold your hands, that's what we coach you to learn how to do in your life with an Undiet Your Life. And if you are still here listening to the podcast right now, you're probably the right person that will benefit the most from Undiet Your Life. So come and join us. If you're listening live around January, we're hosting a training on Sunday, January the 22nd. There'll be a link for that in the show notes. You can come and register for it. And then we're going to spend 60 to 90 minutes, probably more like 75 minutes, drilling down on this process and really learning to apply it to yourself in your life to change your pattern of eating. So we're going to take that half an hour podcast and really expand it together. And I'm going to teach you the framework we use to help our client in that training. So come and join us. I love you, my sister, and I'll see you on the next podcast. If you are loving what you're learning on the podcast, you have to come and check out Undiet Your Life. This is where we get to hang out together, where you get the individual help applying the concept thought on the podcast while learning new coaching tool that will make your life even more amazing. It's also where you get to apply the learning to think better, eat better, and feel better, and create your undieted life, your better, bigger, and bolder life. Go to stephaniedoze.com forward slash join. I'd love to have you join us inside of Undiet Your Life, and I'll see you on the other side.